0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: Thank God for all that he is doing in our midst today. Thank you for our children's church workers, taking all of you beautiful children back to a small room, small quiet room praying for you for about 45 minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for all of God's people this morning, we do so thank you for your uh, support and all that God is doing uh, through this congregation. I want to ask you to turn with me this morning into the book of Luke and chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We are continuing in a series that started last week. We started a series called Journey to the Manger. Uh, This is going to be part two. Last week we looked at the journey of Joseph, uh, such an important character in the Christmas story, in these early gospel accounts. As we looked at Joseph and how his life was completely interrupted and how he had to adjust on the fly to a changing situation. I have found that many times in my life that uh, your spirituality can be measured by your ability to adjust, to be flexible. And when God throws you uh, a random situation that you never thought you would face to keep your heart right in the midst of that, what a lesson we can learn from Joseph, who had his life all planned out and all laid out, and suddenly God throws a terrible interruption in his face, but he handled it very, very well. Today we're going to look at another interruption, perhaps even a greater interruption, because we're going to look at the journey of Mary. Mary also, like Joseph, had her life pretty well planned. She had been betrothed to young Joseph ever since she could remember. She was preparing for a marriage. She was preparing to give herself to him. And, uh, and everything seemed to be on track. Joseph is a good man. He's got standing in the community. Also, she comes from a highly favored family, even though they're not rich, they're not, uh, they're not uh, high and mighty. And yet, what we read from the Scripture is that she does have uh, kingly inheritance in her family, that she is of the lineage of David, uh, that her, her family line can be traced all the way back to King David, the lion, the tribe of Judah. And what an incredible thing that we can see from her life. And in the midst of this preparation, God throws her quite an interruption. Now, for Joseph, the interruption that he had to deal with was all external. Of course, it was uh, his wife and his home and his future, but a huge interruption. But with Mary, we could say the interruption was even greater. Because it was an internal (laughs) interruption. We're talking about a baby in her womb. And what an incredible thing to think about that when God came to interrupt her life, He he came down and Jesus became a baby in her own womb. God in human flesh. We're going to read the account here, but I want to begin with with a little illustration from history. March 10, 1974, a Japanese lieutenant, Hiru Onada, was the last Japanese soldier from World War II to surrender. Lieutenant Onada had been left on the island called Lubang in the Philippines, December 25, 1944. His command, as he had been left there, to carry on the mission even if Japan surrendered. Four other Japanese soldiers were left with him as Japan evacuated the the island. One soldier surrendered in 1950. Another was killed uh, in a skirmish with local police in 1954. Another was killed in 1972. And so here, 30 years later, here's a Japanese lieutenant. His mindset is World War II. And 30 years later, he's wandering through the jungles, refusing to surrender. All efforts to convince him or to capture him have failed. He had ignored messages that they had played on the loudspeakers in the jungle. They were trying to tell him Japan has already surrendered. Japan was now an ally of the United States. They had dropped leaflets from above the jungle begging him, please, Lieutenant, just surrender so you can go home to your family. He refused to believe all the messages. Over the years, he found a way to live off of the land. He would steal from the local fields and farmers. He was responsible for killing at least 30 national citizens of the Philippines during his 29-year personal war. While the rest of the world had finished fighting, Lieutenant Hiru Onada was still in World War II. Finally, 30 years after the war had ended, Onada surrendered his trusty sword after receiving a personal command from his former superior officer, who read the terms of the ceasefire order, Onada handed his sword to President Marcos, who pardoned him. The war was finally over. Lieutenant Onata was 22 years old when he was left on the island. He returned a prematurely aged man, 52 years old. His words to the press as he finally returned to his home nation, he said, nothing pleasant. Happened for 29 years in the jungle. Like Lieutenant Onada, I believe there are people here this morning who are fighting a lonely battle against a God who is offering to them reconciliation and peace. And many times there are areas of our lives that, like this lieutenant from Japan, God is offering us a peace. He's offering us forgiveness. He's offering us a new life, a new way of living. And we refuse to surrender. And no matter how many sermons we hear, no matter how many church services we go to, there are areas this morning where we refuse to surrender. What we're about to read in this story is ultimately a story of surrender. Surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the interruption that God is bringing to Mary's life. And she is one that we can learn from this morning, who willingly offers not only her life, but her very body in surrender to the kingdom of God and His purposes. Let's read together, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Read along with me. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Some of you need to hear that today. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do we still believe that in 2018? Do you still believe that in your life? Verse 38. Then Mary said, this is the key this morning. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. My prayer today is that those words would come from your heart to the Lord today. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I'm asking, Lord, that you would capture, once again, the attention of our hearts today, that we would find, God, incredible instruction, and we would find revelation in this scripture. Lord, that as, uh, as your servant Mary, as she turned her heart to the will of God that you put upon her life, Lord, she surrendered all of herself to the plan and the purpose of God. I'm praying that you would find in this place someone, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, who would also surrender their lives and their hearts completely to your will, to your word, to your kingdom. I'm praying, Lord, that we would understand that there is nothing greater in this life than serving you and doing what you've called us to do. And we thank you for all that you have called us to in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Let's look first of all this morning at the powerful promise that God gave to mary it's in verse 30 the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name jesus i want to look first of all at finding favor with god now there were a thousand other young girls that jesus could have been born from there are a thousand there were thousands of of uh, young men and young families that Jesus could have come out of, that, that, that this, there are thousands of families that God could have chosen. But the reason why the angel tells us that God has chosen this family and this woman to carry the Son of God in her womb is simply because of this, she has found favor with God. My question that I have for you this morning, how do you find favor with God? How do you find favor? Do you have to have the latest iPhone to find favor with God? Do you have to have the right clothes on to find favor with God? Was it that Mary had done more dishes than the other girls in her village? Was it that she was more faithful to the temple and the synagogue services? Had she memorized more scriptures than other girls? Can I tell you this morning that the favor of God does not simply come because of your actions. God's favor comes by the grace of God. God does not pay you for your good works. God does not reward you simply for doing better than everybody else. Because if that was true, then we would be able to take some credit for it, right? Because God's grace is the undeserved. God has chosen Mary simply because that that he has found favor with her. We should all have this desire this morning to have Christ birth into our lives. Now, this can be a scary thing sometimes. This would be no doubt frightening for Mary. Uh, When the Bible calls her a virgin, yes, it means that she has not been with a man. But more common, the term virgin is applied to any young girl. Any young girl who is uh, of marrying age, but uh, mostly this was this was aimed at girls from the age, in, in their teenage years. So anywhere from age 13 to 17 or 18. She was probably a pretty young girl. She was probably 15 or 16 years old. Now just think of a few 15 or 16 year old girls that you might know today. I don't think we have any here in, in the house this morning, but 15 or 16 year old girls today are probably not as mature as the culture in that time would have demanded. This was marrying age. Anytime after the age of 13, if they've had a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, that means that they're counted according to legal documents as an adult. and They would be uh, able to get married, able to start a family. And just think about that, teenagers, teenagers in this place, that you have more to do for God than you might think. Joseph was probably not much older than that. Usually, the the boy would be a little bit older than the girl. But here's Mary and Joseph. Mary's probably 15 or 16 years old. Joseph, probably a little bit older, maybe 17, 18, 19. And here they are. God has chosen them, found favor with this couple to carry the Son of God. That's pretty incredible when you think about it. He could have gone with with Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, They're advanced in their years. They probably got a nice house. They probably got nice stuff. They sent John the Baptist to go be with them. But with Jesus, God sent them to a couple of peasants from the small town of Bethlehem. Now, here's the question. When Mary hears about what God is going to do through her life, she asks a question. And listen, can I tell you this morning, God is not afraid of your questions. It's a good thing to know. God is not afraid of your questions. Thomas Jefferson said, question with boldness, even the very existence of God. He is not offended by you asking him questions. Questions by themselves are not a sign of lack of faith. And it really comes from the motivation of our hearts. A question that is motivated by God, I just really want to see how this is going to work out. That's okay. Sometimes people question God with a finger in his face, like, how could you do this to me? And when an attitude is wrong, then yes, we should refrain from those types of questions. But Mary questioned the angel in this situation and said, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's simply stating the obvious here that she's not married. She has not been with a man. And up until this point, there has never been a baby born in any other way. And there never has been since. She simply asks the question, how can this happen? Because this is impossible. Gabriel, can I tell you this morning that it is still impossible for us to do the works of God without his help? The answer that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary is still the same answer that I have for you. Pastor, how is it possible that I can get set free from my addiction? You can't do it. But you need the Holy Spirit. How is it possible this morning that I, my marriage could be healed? You can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit, though, what is impossible with man is possible with God. How is it possible this morning, Pastor, that I can truly live for God, that I can shake off my addictions, that I can can stop being distracted by the world? How is it possible? You can't do it in your own strength. Mary says, how will this thing happen? And the angel tells her, it's not a human answer. It's not your flesh, Mary. Sometimes God wants you to do something that you think is impossible. (laughs) Isn't it funny that God never asks us to do things that we know how to do? Like, I'm very good at fixing computers. God has never spoken to me in my prayer life and said, I want you to go find a broken computer and fix it. You know why? Because I already know how to do that. That's not going to challenge my faith. What God tells me to do many times are things that I don't know how to do. When I was 19 years old in the Chandler Church and I had my face in the carpet at a conference setting, and God told me at that point in my life that he wanted me to be a minister. He wanted me to be a pastor. I felt very very much like Mary did at that moment. God, I have no idea how to do that. I've never, never been able to, that's not something that I ever desired to do, never wanted to do, never thought that I would do. God says, this is what I want you to do. God will give you tasks that are above your pay grade this morning, above your ability. Sometimes God wants us to do things that we think are impossible. Paul, he gives this same sentiment in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. In other words, this morning, he says, I didn't didn't have to go to the seminary to learn the skills of how to be an apostle. He says, if God commissioned me, then he will also prepare me. And let me just remind you this morning, if God has called you to a work, he will also prepare you for that work. If you feel inadequate this morning, that's good because you are inadequate. But I want to tell you, God will make you God will prepare you. Can you imagine what Mary must have felt like, the the weight of the responsibility? We spoke last week about how uh, the price that she would have paid on a social level in her community for showing up pregnant. She goes off to be with her Aunt Elizabeth for a time, and when she comes back, she's got a a little pooch going on. She's got a little baby tummy poking out. And all of a sudden, people are looking at her. What happened to Mary? I thought, she's, wait, uh uh-oh. Right? And now she's going to have to pay a price socially. She's going to have to pay a price. Her father, her mother, her family, people who respected her, they're going to think, of course, the most evil things. Oh, sure, the Holy Spirit did it. Right. They're going to accuse her of evil. And then when Joseph doesn't judge it, when Joseph takes her to be her husband, her wife, when Joseph, hold on, let me try that again. When Joseph takes her to be his wife, they're also going to look at him with disdain, aren't they? Joseph, oh, you're going to take this this tramp into your home? Don't you know what she did? She's going to have to pay a price for this, as our brother mentioned. Many times, living for God and doing His will is going to require that you pay a price. It doesn't happen just by human energy, human power. It happens by the Holy Spirit. Look at the answer that the angel gives her in verse 35. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. When Christ will be revealed in your life, it will be the same way, the Holy Spirit will. God will always accomplish His power through your life by the Holy Spirit. And this is a wonderful truth that we rely on every day. You, you, beloved, you, as you are saved and touched by the power of God, as you are transformed into His image day by day, it's not by your own strength, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, verse 6 he answered to me and said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How is it that a church can be built? Is it through all of our ingenuity and, and great strategy? and Is it by all of our great programs and facilities? And How does a church grow? Well, we understand that this is not my church not pastor campbell's church this is jesus's church and he said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail and the way that jesus builds his church is one person at a time one message at a time as the holy spirit begins to transform our hearts That's why we can't we can't program our way into a into a church success 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out the fire that God wants to put in to our lives. The Holy Spirit is the only way this morning that God's work will ever be accomplished in your life. Can I tell you, that's the only way that reading the Bible is going to be effective in your life. This is the Holy Spirit begins to fill your heart. And so uh, maybe you saw last night I put out a, a new Bible uh, study plan on the Bible app. We're going to start a new Bible app, a uh, Bible reading plan as of the first of the month. I started that early so that we can all get on the same page. I really want to uh, have the church tuned in together and the same Bible reading plan if we can. If you don't have the Bible app, we'll make sure to print out some paper copies that you can keep with you throughout the year. Keep in your Bible and read along with us. But uh, but listen, you can read through the whole Bible. George Barna tells us that only three percent of Christians have ever read through the entire Bible. That's pretty sad. So we're not going to be we're we're going to be part of that three percent in the next year. All right. But here's what I'm here's what I'm telling you: you can read through the whole Bible. You can put your eyes on the words, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't get involved, not much is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is the only one who has the ability to take those words off the page or off of the app and put them into your soul to write them on the tablets of your heart. The Holy Spirit can do that. And see, that's why the Bible is, is such an important book because the Holy Spirit doesn't get involved when you're reading the sports page. The Holy Spirit does not change you when you're reading sports the latest gossip, or the latest news. But the Holy Spirit does get involved when you read His Word. And what the Holy Spirit always does is He makes Christ more prevalent in your life. Remember when Jesus said, If I, the Son of Man, will be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto Myself? How is it that Christ is exalted in our lives? It's through the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. The same way with Mary. How is this possible, Gabriel? How is this going to happen? I can't do this on my own. You're right, you can't. But the Holy Spirit, with God, nothing is impossible. Say, Pastor, my life is too messed up. People will never see Christ in me. People could not possibly look at my life and say, there, there there's a shining example of a Christian. Yes, you're right. You can't do that on your own. But through the strength of the Holy Spirit, through his power, through your commitment, through your devotion to Him, through your surrender. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit can make you more than you think you can be. When Jesus left His disciples on the earth, He left them there in the upper room praying. And He said, remain here. He said, I want you to stay here. You know, we we love the, uh, the, the Scripture that we have printed on the wall back there. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And yes, God's command is always to go outside of our limits. But can I tell you, before God said go, He said, stay here. Because it was at that moment that they had not yet been baptized by the Holy Spirit. They had not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus wanted them. He said, stay here. Keep praying. Keep believing God. Remain here, disciples until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. and When that happens, then you'll be prepared. See, this is the only way, beloved, that God's work will ever happen in your life. It's when the Holy Spirit is allowed to come upon your life and do His work. Now, here's the prayer. This this is where we get involved this morning. And this is where I need you to pay attention because this is where so many people miss it. And this is where the will of God and the purposes and the plans of God are hindered so often. It's the prayer that Mary prayed in response. Now, just think about, once again, where Mary was, her journey and all of this. How would you feel about this? What would be going through your mind? You're just doing what you know to be right. You're, paying, you're, you're uh, minding your own business. <laughs> You're preparing for a marriage, perhaps, and all of a sudden you get this news, a baby is going to be born in your womb of the Holy Spirit. See, the temptation there is to say, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, You know, actually, I was actually planning to get married to this guy, Joseph, and if I show up pregnant, things are going to get weird. Right. The temptation was to say, "Gabriel, I I really appreciate the offer, but um, you know I've got a better thing to do over here. I've got something that I was planning already. See, I deal with this all the time as a pastor. You know, we 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 have these events that we do, and we have these uh, things that we're involved with as a church, and and I have to be the, the number one promoter. Hey, we got church on Sunday morning." And, uh, and, you know, it's a church service. This is not, this is not the, uh, the defining moment of our lives, but it's something important, right? It's something, it's a time where we believe that God is going to move. God's going to do something, right? That's why we come. And that's why we should be inviting people, because God does things in the service that He doesn't do in every other place. And so often, I, I get these messages, and I get, I get excuses often about why people cannot come or why people don't want to come. And and sometimes I feel like Gabriel in that situation, the messenger. I feel like, oh, it's such a great opportunity, Mary. We're talking about the Son of God being born in your life. And instead of like Mary, I'll get I'll get the opposite. I'll say, well, you know, I would love to be there. Thanks for the offer. But, you know, I really got to take care of this other thing. I understand there's things in life, there's, there's important things we've got to take care of. But sometimes there are defining moments of our lives. This is a defining moment of Mary's life, that she's either going to choose. And I don't believe that Mary was forced to do this. God does not force his will on anyone. She had to receive this by faith. I believe this morning that she could have made a decision and said, Gabriel, not today. Maybe come to me a little bit later after I get married. That would probably be better for my schedule. I'll pencil you in. But I believe this morning that there will be like that. There will be a defining moment of your life where God will approach you. The Spirit of God approaches you and says, Will you do this thing that I've called you to do? Will you make this decision to follow me even when it's hard? Will you step out in faith and start that ministry even though you don't know how to do it? Will you believe God? Will you step out in faith and witness to that person even though you're embarrassed and shy? See, there are moments of our lives where God asks us to do things that are uncomfortable, that are interruptions. And Mary had to respond. See, Mary, I'm sure she has her own dreams and goals and aspirations and desires in her life And now this angel is laying this thing on her and saying, you're going to have to give it all, you're going to have to surrender, Mary. To do what God has called you to do, it's a dedication of your body, your soul, and your spirit. You know what is still true to this day, church? God doesn't want half of your life. He doesn't want 90% of your life. He doesn't want just Sundays and Wednesday nights. Can I tell you, God wants all of you? He wants all of you. You say, Pastor, but there's not much of me that's worthy to be taken by God. Yeah, you're right. But he still wants all of you. Some people say, well, okay, Pastor, I'll, I'll give you a Sunday once a month or twice a month. Can I tell you, surrender means giving your whole life to Jesus. Surrender means not just I surrender some. We sing that song. I surrender all. Bunch of liars, people sing that church, that service, that song in their song service. I surrender all, but I'm not going to give a tithe. I surrender all. Do you? really surrender all this is the question that Gabriel was giving to Mary will you surrender when I read that story about that Japanese lieutenant I thought about people that I know who live in a place of isolation who live in a place of great battle against God who live in a place of fear and difficulty simply because they will not surrender I wonder, even if, even if an angel showed up on your doorstep, would you surrender? Even if Gabriel in all his glory would deliver his message, would you surrender this morning? I believe that there are people here today. God has chosen you for a destiny, for a purpose. In the kingdom, God has chosen you to bear the, the image of the living Christ to the world around you. God says, I will empower you by the Holy Spirit. But will you surrender to me? And this is the prayer that you need to pray this morning. Verse 38. Let it be to me according to your word. First, she says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. What she she gives the angel there is she gives... Her image of herself. She's saying to, to Gabriel, she's saying, I am a maidservant. I am one who is in the place of a servant. I will be what you've called me to be. She's identifying herself now. She's saying, I am a maidservant. That, that's what we all need to do. Whenever you read the, uh, the gospel accounts or the, the letters that the apostles wrote, this is how they introduced themselves. a the servant, we talked to a couple weeks ago, the doulos. The servant of God, the slave to his will. Is that how you identify yourself this morning? I'm just a servant. I'm a servant of God. This means surrender. It means I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I have no idea what it means for my family, for my future. I don't know exactly how this is going to happen. But you know what? I'm in your hands. This is the place that every Christian has to come to. If you're going to see God reveal Christ through your life, this is where you have to live. Completely surrendered to Him. Your mind, your body, your spirit. With all of her life at risk, she says, let it be to me according to your word. Says, Not according to my word not according to the word of any human individual, but the word of God. Jesus had to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but yours be done. So let me ask you as we close, what about in your life? What about in your time and your finances? Have you prayed that prayer, Lord? Let it be to me according to your word. Young Samuel, In the temple, he prayed, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. It was Saul on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? The Bible is filled with examples. See, God is able to do great miracles, isn't he? And he's able to use uh, unqualified people like us if we will surrender to him. Moses, he says, Lord, I can't speak. There's no way that I can do this. God says, I can, make it, I can make it happen. God wants to birth something powerful through your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the thing that sets Mary apart from all the rest is this prayer. Let it be to me according to your will. I wonder, are you willing to pray that dangerous prayer this morning? Are you willing to say, with all of your heart, God, all of my life, all of my plans, all of my future, I'm putting it in your hands? Let me just remind you, your life in God's hands is way better than life in your hands. You remember, you remember what your life was like when you didn't let God control your, your decisions? You remember where it was leading you? Down a path to destruction. And then we get saved when we come into the kingdom. We say, yeah, God, I know what you want me to do, but, you know, I think this might be a little better. Why don't we put our lives in his hands, church? Why don't we, like Mary, say, God, let it be to me according to your word? Or are we like that Japanese lieutenant still fighting a battle? Everyone else has surrendered. Maybe like Jonah. Everyone else has done what they need to do, but Jonah's still running. What about you this morning? Can we pray like Mary, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word? Let's bow our heads this morning, close our eyes. As we bring this service to a close today, simple, simple message about surrender. See, living for God simply means I am not in control.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.